Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, our Tamil Innovator Spotlight is an online series which puts the spotlight on individuals from around the world who are in the Tamil community, and they're building awesome products, services, and initiatives. Our latest event is brought to you in partnership with MyStartupDojo.com and Tamil Culture. And my name is Anjali Narendran, and I'm so excited to be your host today. Uh, I'm Program Director at MyStartupDojo.com, host of the 2020 show, two times robotics world champion, having beat 20,000 international teams. And I founded my first venture when I was just 15. Now I'm committed to spreading that, in, that spirit of entrepreneurship with other young people through Startup Dojo. From Steve Jobs to Ben Franklin, the world was built by entrepreneurs. And that entrepreneurial skills are leadership skills. And with the right support and guidance, any young person can become an entrepreneur and build a successful venture before they even graduate high school. I know it's true because I've done it. So at Startup Dojo, we give ambitious students the tools and support that they need to become entrepreneurs and leaders. If you're an ambitious student or you know an ambitious student who's interested in joining, feel free to apply at mystartupdojo.com slash apply. And um, by the way, if you like three things, you are definitely going to want to stick around until the end of this, uh, of this event because we have some awesome surprises lined up for you. Now, without further ado, I'm so excited to introduce Vinod Jayapalan, our featured guest this evening. Uh, we're so thrilled to welcome Vinod. Vinod has worked at Facebook, where he spent a lot of time helping e-commerce brands grow their businesses. He was also recently uh, featured on Forbes 30 Under 30 2021 for his incredible work at Cabo. And he's also been named Marketing Mag's 30 Under 30. Now he's joining us as the co-founder and CEO of Cabo an incredible Canadian-based company that's on a mission to bring fresh dog food to dog owners. The stuff that they're doing is awesome. And as a dog owner myself, I love what they're doing to help keep our pets healthy. So thank you so much for being with us this evening, Vino. I'm so excited to have this discussion. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to share as much as I know. And uh, hopefully this will be the last time I'm on a 30 under 30 list because uh, time's <laughs> running short for me. <laughs> So let's jump into things. Uh, so you co-founded Cabo in 2019. Why don't you tell us a bit about that and the backstory behind how it got started? Yeah, definitely. So I think uh, one thing that my co-founders and I could uh, attest to is over the past 10 years or so, we've really spent a lot of time in the consumer, consumer product space and watching the evolution happen, whether it be on the operational side of, of really understanding how things around like fulfillment and shipping were changing, um, to even on the, the, the aspect that you could just start a brand with a simple Shopify store and, you know, $30 in your pocket to start running some Facebook ads and uh, boom, you had a brand started uh, just overnight. So from watching that and being a part of that, um, I'd say ecosystem and fostering it over time, uh, it really got, gave myself and uh, my brother and my co-founders the urge as well to, to jump in and, and uh, you know, think really what we want to do over the next 10 years of our life. Uh, and when we look back at it, uh, I think what was really interesting is uh, we've always been avid animal lovers and always had uh, always attempted to have pets growing up. And once we had the opportunity to get our own dog, my brother and I, uh, you know, went through this tumultuous experience of trying to raise a dog and, you know, going through the same experiences that most pet owners go through, which is Googling the same problems that someone else has Googled uh, five to 10 years ago. And uh, searching for answers constantly of whether it was what the best diet was or what the best 
um, ability uh, or like focus was in terms of like trying to um, mitigate around some of these uh, degenerative issues that health uh, that kind of impede our dog's health. Um, we were constantly baffled by it. And at a certain point, uh, you know, after a dog passed away, uh, we really realized that there was an opportunity here to impact the daily ritual of, of the dog's diet. Uh, and that's really where uh, Cabo Fresh Dog Food got its first start. Right. And um, Cabo, the name Cabo. Uh, tell, tell us about that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, funny enough, uh, Cabo is the name of the, the dog that we had the first time around. So uh, she was about to be surrendered into a shelter. Uh, my roommate and my brother and I uh, had the opportunity to adopt her and, you know, we jumped right at it. We were uh, constantly like many people when they're on their first search for their dog or their first cat, they're on Google searching about breeds or, uh, you know, whether to choose a rescue or a breeder. And um, it, there's a serendipitous opportunity which our roommate actually found and my brother and I uh, and when we had the chance to bring Cabo into our life we we jumped at it and, and uh, we luckily were able to adopt this uh, you know five-year-old fluffy chow chow who had uh, a great life ahead of her and we were lucky enough to, to introduce her because if it wasn't for her we wouldn't have had uh, this mission around um, really solving the diet issue that most dog parents face. I think for us, you know, we, we try to, you know, switch her off of this Walmart based kibble that had all these like amazing colors and look great to us. Little did I know that dogs are colorblind. So why is their food colorful? It's obviously to, to market to humans. Uh, but, you know, we tried so many diets and at a certain point, because she was a lot older and she was fixed in her ways, we, we didn't have that ability to switch her, switch her diet as easily as we thought, because the options were limited, whether we looked on Amazon or retail stores or even online. Um, and when we came around and started realizing after she passed away that, you know, a lot of the health issues that could have been mitigated uh, were through really diet and activity, uh, very much so like humans, <laughs> it's diet and activity that, that, that depicts a lot of what our lifestyle is going to be. Um, we really thought hard about, you know, um, how we can change this. And when we started thinking more and more about the solution, we just knew the driver was really around our dog. <laughs> Our, 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 the first uh, dog that we had in our lives. And uh, we decided to name the company after her as we went forward. Right. And um, something super cool that I think you guys have recently done was you've actually been on Dragon's Den and Dragon's Den <laughs> and Shark Tank. They've been responsible for, I feel like, bringing entrepreneurship to, to, to like the vast public and making it, you know, more of, a, more of a common thing. So it's really cool that I think you've been on and, and experienced that. So from, from a founder's perspective, what was it like to be there and, you know, be behind the camera? Yeah, honestly, that experience was uh, magical to say the least. Um, you know, in 2006, when that show, I think, first premiered, um, my, my dad and, and my brother and I used to watch it, uh, you know, ever since then. And then eventually when I went off to, to, to university, it kind of continued and, uh, you know, it, we've always been fans of it. And I think you, you nailed it on the, uh, on the head there where, these, these types of um, shows that were being brought into the, the entertainment ecosystem just really brought entrepreneurship to a whole other light. You know, you got to see people from a different perspective that were, you know, father, son, just with a simple idea or, you know, a bunch of university students coming together and um, trying to really change the way um, human behavior might be. And it, the, the spectrum of it just really always inspired me. And you know, when it came down to why we were building Cabo and why we came back to Canada to do this and, and really build it as a Canadian business, 
uh, it, it made a lot of sense for us to, uh, to try and apply for Dragon's Den. Uh, the interesting part was when we did do the auditions for it, uh, it was right before COVID. And then right when COVID hit, they canceled the auditions and had to reschedule, like essentially um, at that point, assumed that the season wasn't going to be airing. Uh, what I thought was one of the best parts of that experience was that the, the team and the producers who were putting it together literally took something that they do in like six to eight months and somehow did it in a matter of a few months uh, and were able to get it to start airing in October. So it was, uh, it was an interesting experience because we got to go and see the show for the first time when they had a new set, a new set of procedures around COVID. Um, and at the same time, introducing businesses that were trying to change the dynamic that was happening in the community. Right. And can you think of like a notable experience, a notable exchange with maybe a dragon that stuck out? Yeah, I, I think what was really interesting was uh, that doesn't get aired is the uh, experience my brother and I had kind of just creating a personal relationship with each of them. Because what was really interesting was, you know, when we were younger, the first time we ever interacted with our first ever social network was actually Lane's company, which is Penguin Club. Um, you know, one of the first jobs that our family has ever been given the opportunity to work was at Jim Trevelling's Boston Pizza. So it was great just being able to see the people that have given our family such an impact in Canada and to just show appreciation to say, hey, listen, like, I know you're the guy who started Boston Pizza, but you really gave us the opportunity to work there. Um, you know, and then on the other end, it was just looking at something like Penguin Club and, you know, even our first introduction to the Internet. And at that time, you know, my brother and I would you know, have these like AT&T dial-up CDs that we would use and, and uh, you know, have two hours on there and spend 15 minutes of it on Penguin Club. So it was, uh, it was an, I think that was probably one of the most fun experiences is just being able to see the people that made such an impact in the earlier stage of our lives. Right, that's crazy. It's like this really cool full circle Canadian experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, recently you've been featured Forbes, Forbes 30 under 30. Tell us about how that's going, what that's like. How's that, how's that all going for you? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's always a great accolade to get these uh, uh, awards, but I think uh, at the end of the day, you know, uh, we're still busy focusing on our mission of um, trying to sell some dog food and making sure that uh, consumers really are being educated through that process. Um, you know, what's really interesting is like, you don't get a lot of notice as to when it happens. So, uh, it was uh, it was a shock and surprise to find out that morning, and I think the team was super excited. Uh, the way we really look at it, it's it's great for us as a business because it allows us to really present ourselves amongst the Canadian community uh, to help share our vision and hopefully uh, help add in terms of finding some talent to join our team or for people to really hear more about the Cabo story and, and the importance that it has in terms of the helping to build around the Canadian economy, especially in this kind of time. Um, you know, we just found out about a few weeks ago, so uh, the 15 minutes of fame I imagine is still lasting and uh, I've got some time until it runs out, but uh, we're excited to see, uh, you know, what kind of doors it opens up for us. Right, yeah, and um, backtracking a bit, why don't we talk a bit more about, you know, the story of what it was like to get Cabo off the ground. What was it like, you know, so you have this idea that's inspired by your pet. What did it look like after that point? Yeah, really after that point, it, it, it comes down to validation. So, uh, you know, for most of 2018, we were really thinking about this idea, really nitpicking it, doing a lot of research, trying to understand like, you know, why hasn't this problem been solved and what were the levers stopping people or the blockers stopping people from going forward? 
um, you know, once we had enough of confidence, it became, okay, this has to, you know, the, the pen has got to go to paper at some point. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the paralysis happens in entrepreneurship, where you can you spend hours talking about an idea, but it doesn't really become a solution until you actually build it. So in January, 2019, you know, we, we took that dive in, incorporated and, and essentially just started the journey of being able to prove out our, our, our hypothesis, which was, you know, do consumers really want healthier dog food and, and more variety than what's currently out there? Um, and, and given to them through, uh, you know, a direct-to-consumer model or a model that allows them to have access to this beyond retail or uh, an Amazon or a Chewy. And uh, in, in the beginning, you know, it was really funny it was from January until probably July 2019 when we really did our official launch. Um, we were focused on some of the basic aspects that consumer product doesn't uh, highlight too much, which is the operations, uh, my college roommate, uh, is, is also one of our co-founders and leads our operations efforts. And in the beginning, I think a lot of it's like, you know, can we even make this dog food? Who do we get to formulate this? How do we get this to customers? Um, how do we get customers to come back? These are some of the basic things that we're focused on. And uh, the best way we went about it was actually not even focusing on building a you know, fancy website or an ex uh, you know, a, a perfected consumer experience. We were, you know, we went to Instagram uh, on our personal accounts, direct messaging, uh, random people on the internet. Uh, and the way we were able to identify them as dog owners or, or pet owners is, is actually fairly easy because um, one of the great things about pet parents is we're a very identifiable segment on the internet. Um, and especially with things like Facebook, TikTok, or if you, even if you take like a, a time capsule back to uh, 2005 when we had Flickr, uh, people still put up photos of their dog. Uh, it's not like someone is sitting there as like a product manager saying, All right, how do I like get people to put up photos of their pets? Um, you know, whether they're at TikTok or Facebook, it's just in, innate in us to do this and to share this, just like we love sharing baby photos and cat photos. Um, and that really allowed us to say, okay, can we go on Instagram and just search the hashtag Toronto and dogs and, and find people who have dogs in Toronto and, and you know, try and convince them and see what really stuck with them. Was it the fact that fresh food helps with uh, the lifespan? Was it, help, was it the fact that, that fresh food helps with picky, doggy, picky dogs? Um, was it the fact that it's, you know, an alternative health um, uh, uh, resource for them in terms of trying to find a diet that focuses on some of the degenerative issues that that dog's going to face in the future? Um, and it really helped us, you know, narrow down where our focus was going to be in the beginning. And that's really how everything got started. It was, wasn't a fancy website. There wasn't any transactions. It was just, um, you know, DMing a lot of people on Instagram to see if they'd be willing to buy dog food from these, these individuals who they knew nothing about and didn't have a website. And if we knew we could hit this like touch point, then we knew we had something, uh, you know, in front of us to pursue even further. Right. So what did you do once you convinced the first person on Instagram to, to, to buy dog food? Is that when you started production or what was that? Yeah. So luckily we were able to work with some um, veterinary nutrition consultants uh, and they were able to help us with our first formulation. Uh, we then went on to produce those in uh, commercial kitchens that we rented on an hourly basis because we didn't have enough to uh, do our own kitchens at that time. So uh, we would go in on maybe evenings with, um, you know, one of my co-founders, his wife, my parents, um, you know, our roommates and, uh, you know, go and get all the, the certifications for, that we needed to, to enter the facility, get everyone to finish the program. And then we'd go end up cooking on evenings and weekends uh, to start making the food for these people. So we wanted to understand what the process was like to make this food, 
Um, you know, how do we maintain product consistency? Because it's really important for us to understand what's the standard of procedures around this, uh, this recipe development. And we really only had one recipe at the time. It was a beef recipe. Um, and we really had to figure out how do we make this? How do we create the level of consistency? How do we tweak the packaging to make it as easy as possible? And, you know, hand delivering it and being involved literally on day one, kind of continuing onward throughout July uh, into the summer months of, you know, producing the food ourselves, getting it to the customers, and really understanding end to end what that process was like when we're creating this customer focused supply chain to really see, you know, how do we bring the right partners in, whether it's a shipping courier or if it's a partner to help us produce and source the food. Um, you know, what was really important to us and what did we need to communicate to these individuals? And unless we put ourselves in the trenches, we would never be able to understand that. So for the next few months, it was really focused on, you know, just getting our hands dirty of doing it ourselves. Right. And you, earlier you mentioned that your parents were in that first commercial kitchen with you. Yeah. So what, what, what's your, what were your parents' take on everything you were doing with Cabo? I think it sounds point, very supportive. Yeah, at this point, my parents have been very supportive. I yeah. think, um, you know, I, I think at a very early age, like they've always seen that uh, myself and my brothers uh, have always had this inkling to do a bit more. Um, you know, I, I think naturally we just learned it from them. Like my parents are like probably the hardest hustlers in the world, uh, you know, making ends meet, whether it was from day one when we got to this country to still to this day. Uh, you know, they show us the tenacity they have around like truly making a dream possible. So it's almost like, it's impossible for us not to have that type of drive. And uh, the moment we started, you know, it, even still to this day, my parents ask all the time about helping to do QA checks at the facility to make sure the product's right. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is uh, when we uh, were coming over from Switzerland before uh, we were in Canada, uh, my mom actually had experience working in a food coal manufacturing plant. And, and my mom and dad have worked multiple jobs across the board. Uh, you name it, they've probably done it. Uh, anything that would help uh, make ends meet. And it was great just to like see that side of them come out where, you know, past experiences even had an ability to reflect onto what we were doing today. And uh, they've always had this, uh, you know, inkling to always support their kids. And I, I think it, it, it'll never stop for them. Uh, but, you know, it's always, it's always great and endearing, especially in the beginning when we get to have that light type of support, whether it's, you know, uh, our co-founders, partners, or our parents, or, or even our friends and roommates, that just really see the passion that we have and, and the vision that we have beyond uh, just what they're doing at that moment in that day, because it is pretty grueling to start cutting sweet potatoes and beef liver in, in a kitchen for three to four hours. Right, but all in all, super supportive and super QA checks. Your mom was volunteering to do QA checks. So yes. That's, that's awesome. So, so going from, you know, parents and sons working in the trenches for, for forever long to try and figure it out to where you are now. What does the process of scaling up and, and growing look like? Yeah, I, th I think it's an interesting process because what can happen is sometimes I feel as an entrepreneur, you can get stuck in the weeds and, and wanting to control everything and not letting things go. Um, so the transition process is really about thinking, you know, how do I use my time better in other areas of the business? So obviously at a certain point, as my brother became head of growth, as Zach, our other co-founder, became our, our, our lead around uh, uh, operations, as we started to bring on more and more team members, it was really about, you know, how do we you know, get away from just cooking the food and cutting it ourselves to then really focusing on the key elements of the business that allows us to prove this at a larger scale. 
you know, when we first started, you know, I think it was about like five or 10 customers we had. Uh, one of my best friends from university was actually one of our customers, Amy, and she still is our customer today, which is crazy to hear because, uh, you know, what a journey that product's gone through. But, uh, you know, we realized that we need to take a step back and say, you know, how do we start getting feedback from these customers and talking to these individuals that were our customers and paying and, and saying, how can we improve the product? And hearing things that you know we needed more recipe for diversification to solve allergy issues around a dog's diet or if we needed to think about the onboarding experience or um, even the experience a subscriber has is very important and ensuring that they have an easy seamless experience that allows them to have a flexible subscription that they can switch between diets that they can pause and unpause uh, continue with different quantities I think all those aspects are very important. And in order for us to do that, we really had to start taking this um, hat off as executors and people in the trenches and almost put on a different hat that allowed us to think on a higher level as to how do we think about the next stage. And really for us, it, the, the next stage was focused around retention. We were very, very focused around the aspect of saying, you know, if we have these customers and they have this issue every single day of feeding their dog, which if you have a dog, you have three issues in your life, you know, feeding them, uh, walking them or picking up the poop. And uh, for us, it was very much around the aspect of feeding them. And if they didn't come back the next month, we really needed to ask why, because this is a problem to have every day and we needed to make sure we solved that. So our heads were really focused around that. And after we were really able to wrap our heads around the initial product and the fulfillment and the customer experience, it really became down to how do we think about increasing the retention of this business. And a lot of it was taking a step back and saying, how do we remove ourselves from parts of the business that we've built and bringing in better people that are smarter than us to do this and scale it to the next level. Right, and can you think of an interesting challenge or curveball that was thrown at you along, along this journey? I'm sure there are many, but can you maybe pinpoint one that sticks out to you and how you dealt with it? Yeah, I think, um, one of the interesting ones were definitely around COVID. So uh, I, I think with Cabo, what doesn't get shared a lot online is outside of, you know, delivering you fresh, healthy dog food is we're a very data-driven focused company. So for us, we look at everything from external data, such as Google searches to our primary data that we collect from our customers and even the, the dogs themselves. And um, the moment we heard about Seattle, um, you know, having this outbreak originally, um, you know, we went to Google search and looked at the search trends that Canadian uh, dog owners were making over a 14 day period. And what we started noticing was that there's this like surge over, you know, I think it was over 36% surge happening over a 14 day period where uh, consumers were searching for dog food delivery businesses. Um, and, you know, over time we started looking at other terms and one of the terms that we looked at was Canadian veterinary health and uh, like telehealth for vets, uh, for, for animals. And, um, what we noticed was that surge was absolutely phenomenal, where over a 30-day period, it was over 400% increase. And when we saw that, we re really, really started to say, okay, our community of dog parents are definitely going to be running into some issues. And we need to talk to them and figure out what's happening. So when we actually did reach out and we have this process where, you know, we constantly send surveys or emails to, to just stay in touch with our consumers. And we learned that the shutdown of veterinary clinics and animal hospitals was one of the top concerns of a pet parent at the initial outbreak, because um, at that time, what happened was uh, a lot of the PPE equipment they had, ventilators had to be sent to the human hospitals, uh, you know, uh, rightfully so at that time to help support the initial outbreak. And 
for most people, what that meant was that, you know, they treat their fur babies as if they're a member of their family and rightfully so they do. And, you know, imagine if you had your medical care taken away from your own child. And I think that feeling, you know, really resonated with us. And it was a huge challenge because we sat there really thinking, you know, as a very nascent company in early 2020, we didn't have the ability to, to support these people as much as they wanted to. So, um, you know, the co-founders and, 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 and us just came together and said, listen, like we need to build a, an online vet telehealth solution that offers a free virtual care system for our customers. And by partnering with uh, clinics and hospitals across the country in every single province, uh, we were able to do this. And, you know, we, we bit the bullet. Like we said, okay, I guess we're not getting paid anytime soon. And we just gave up, you know, forgave salaries and, you know, until essentially end of 2020 to help fund this project because we were paying the vets to essentially provide free veterinary care for any of our customers. Uh, we knew that was the right decision to make. Uh, we knew that it wasn't worth even thinking about it twice. And the moment we launched it for our customers, they absolutely loved it that we said, okay, we need to expand this to all of Canadian dog owners and, and cat owners because we'd have their friends kind of messaging and saying, okay, can we use this service as well? And um, we opened it up for the month of April and May. And it was a very tough decision to make because on a, in a business sense, it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Like, why would you spend money in telehealth when you, your primary objective is to sell food? Uh, but I think at that time, we really knew that the right decision to make was to support the community. You know, when we think about Cabo, the goal really is for us to build trust with pet owners. They've lost so much trust over these past 10, you know, 30 years, if you think about it, and even longer with, you know, dog food brands constantly causing recalls, ingredient issues. And when, when these issues happen, the big kibble brands, I'm, you know, do a lot of great things to support the community. But I think, you know, sending dog food to a shelter is a great way of supporting it. But there's got to be a step further. And when we really listened to our community, we found an area that people weren't paying attention to. We just had to step in. It was just the right thing to do. And looking back at it, it helped us. It helped their brand. It helped build trust. But, you know, it was really always thinking about this balance of what's right for the business in terms of, you know, fiscally responsible action. And then the other end of it, thinking about, um, you know, what do you do that really actually supports the community? Like if these are your customers, they're going to be buying your product, then, um, you know, were you there for them at the hardest times? And I don't know if a lot of brands can say that. And I think, you know, if we didn't do that, and even if it did end up, you know, shutting our business down, we'd be proud about it. Because I think the reality is, is that that's what the new version of brands need to do. And that was probably one of the most difficult decisions being made because we obviously have investors, stakeholders, and ourselves that we, you know, hope to be able to have some kind of income towards. But I think the reality was that we had a, a, a bigger goal in mind. Right. So what is the plan for the telehealth arm look going forward? Is it something that you're going to continue growing indefinitely or is this just a COVID thing? It was just a COVID project. So, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun talking to the regulatory boards because <laughs> the moment they hear about a free vet virtual clinic, it's a private industry. So it's almost like going to the States and saying, hey, we've got free human health care. So uh -huh. I don't think that's well received in the, uh, in the industry, let's say. So uh, we, you know, had it as a limited program. And, you know, what we did is we had a lot of great learnings. And I think in the future, if there is that opportunity, we will hopefully be able to create some type of impact. We're just not sure what it is. We knew for the month of April and May, it was just the thing the community needed. And we were the right people to bring it and bring it in. Right.
Yeah, now shifting gears a bit, um, I'd love to talk a bit more about your past. So before founding Cabo, you were actually at Facebook for around five years and were named Marketing Makes 30 Under 30 for some of your work. Um, you ran the largest FB ads campaign in Canada. So I'd love to hear more about what that was like, your, what, your, what your time at Facebook was like. Um, and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I honestly think it was probably the best education I've ever gotten in my life, uh, considering the fact that I dropped out of university. So, uh, you know, I, I think I had a very, you know, uh, serendipitous moment in my life where uh, at 21, I had the opportunity to join Facebook. Uh, this is 2012. The company wasn't public yet. You know, it didn't have the ads that the ads infrastructure had today. It wasn't like what it was. Uh, and it was a little, uh, it was really like a very, you know, startup-y culture that was getting into this world of, really uh, taking over the ad ecosystem, the, the, the ability to connect people across the world. And, um, you know, for myself and, excuse me, eventually my brother who joined, uh, we got to be, a, a, you know, join the rocket ship for the, the initial takeoff. And it was just an amazing experience to be able to work alongside some of the top growing e-commerce brands globally. You know, my brother got to work with some of the top retailers, such as Walmart to even Canadian brands like Canadian Tire. Um, and help grow them and bring them into the digital age. And we got to see what it was like and the, the opportunities that were being created by these types of platforms. Uh, understanding that was actually, you know, one of the main reasons that we wanted to go into consumer product was that we saw barriers being broken by these types of companies. And, uh, you know, one thing I always give advice in terms of other younger entrepreneurs who are really interested in jumping into entrepreneurship right away or, or kind of battling between a full-time job, um, you know, I, I think what doesn't get glorified as much is really the ability to learn from others. And we had that at Facebook, right? We were surrounded by the dollar shave clubs of the world, all the way to the ND mattresses in Canada and being able to just see them and watch them operate and ask questions is an educational opportunity on our end to truly figure out what our passion is or our curiosity going forward. And, uh, you know, I think without Facebook, we wouldn't have had that. And then the second thing I'd like to amplify more on is the people. It was like, it was a phenomenal watching and being surrounded by those people. And, and I think that when I joined it at the office, it was maybe 13 people or so, and it grew to about 150 um, and probably more than that to this day. And, you know, my brother had the opportunity to help launch the Vancouver office and uh, move out there and build out our, uh, you know, help support the startup community in that direction. And just, you know, having that, that door open to us. And if you think about it as young 20 something year olds, uh, you know, you have this energy and drive to learn naturally as a human, when it's put towards things that you're very interested towards, it continues and it fosters. And, you know, I'm, I'm forever grateful for the Facebook community. Um, you know, even to this day, I could not recommend working at Facebook more. Uh, it's a different environment than it was before, but it still provides the same type of value. And I think um, as we start to look at some of these other great game changers like TikTok or Snapchat or Pinterest. These are all great companies that are coming to Canada, giving a lot of young people the opportunity to make a global impact without having the risk, right? And uh, for us, when we saw that, that really drove us. That really gave us the, the drive to, to, to do something riskier with our lives. And, um, you know, I don't think there is any other company in this type of world that, that offers that ability. And, and that's what we really were able to take away from it. And you, you also mentioned, I slid this in there, where you mentioned that you dropped out of school to work at Facebook, right? Yes. So yes. your parents are super on board with Cabo. How did they feel about that decision? Uh, they weren't 100% on board at that time, I would say. 
uh, it was an interesting time because uh, I, I was studying biomedical science at, at Western and, and uh, was also enrolled in the Ivy program. And um, I think at that time I was just going through this um, back and forth where in my summer internships, I was learning a lot more than I was in school. Um, or maybe it wasn't the alignment wasn't there in terms of the programs I was in. Uh, and I just felt that, you know, there was so much happening in, in San Francisco when I would go on my reading week to go work at another company uh, that I wanted more of that time. And it became more and more difficult to do that in school. Uh, and I decided, you know, I'm going to take a year off. And, and that's originally how the conversation started. It was just a, a break, a break from school. And, uh, you know, uh, once I got a job and, and the funny part was my, my parents weren't even Facebook users at that time. So they'd always called the Facebook and uh, they didn't really understand the business at the time. But I think uh, they've always been very patient. They've always been very trustworthy, trusting of, of our decisions and, and had a, you know, have, have grown a propensity to, to give a little bit of slack on the rope. So uh, I think as they gave a little bit of slack, uh, I did try and do online school during that time, which does not work as well, because you need to have focus towards one or the other. And I think over time, as they started to see uh, the company grow and myself individually just come back home with this kind of energy and talk about the businesses that I was talk, uh, working with and uh, sharing the impact that I was being able to make, they saw, you know, this was a once in a lifetime opportunity and uh, they kind of shifted gears from, uh, I think doing the right thing that most parents should do is like when your kids tell you they're gonna drop out or, or take a year off, I don't think most parents should be sitting there uh, pushing their kids in that direction. I think that the goal of being a parent is that, you know, you want your kids to have a good path and, and, and a good path is a safe path. And it's something that maybe that they know or that they don't know, but um, they know it's good enough for you to follow that'll give you a security that they didn't have in their life right and and for them they risked a lot to come here so for for us to give something like that away and especially when my brother and I had full ride scholarships uh, it was a lot to give away right so um, it was a big risk and you know I think for them they did the right job of uh, questioning the mean and making sure this is the right decision and making sure I mitigated that risk but over time you know, after a year went by and after two years went by at that point, uh, I think they saw the, the opportunity I had and, and the growth that I had from just making that jump. Right. And um, yeah, once you've made this jump, you, you tons of lessons you got from being at Facebook. Yeah. So can you pinpoint maybe the largest lesson that's impacted how you do things at Cabo? Yeah, I think one of the th best things I learned at Facebook was just feedback. Like, I remember just being this very young, energetic kid who wanted to do it all and have like a million promotions and work as hard as possible and, and travel as much as possible. But I think one of the best things I learned from Facebook was that, you know, everything needs to take time and there has to be feedback in order for that communication to occur. Um, and it, if it wasn't for my managers really sitting down, giving me that feedback, teaching me, you know, why it's important to have this like two-way communication and not everything is always focused on the results or the business KPIs. It's actually really focused on being able to communicate what's happening and why are things happening. Um, you know, I really learned early on that it was important for me to think about, okay, why are my, the businesses and the clients that I work with more successful than the other ones? And how do I get to create that type of knowledge and share it amongst all of Facebook? Right. And I think many companies face this struggle, which was how do we collaborate? And it's still, you know, at that time, even when I left, like Facebook's, you know, one of their biggest challenges was always collaboration. And I think what I, you know, what we took away from that was that, you know, they are taking it on more than any other company. And it's really driven by feedback. 
So when we think about how what we do at Cabo, we're very, very feedback oriented, whether it's, you know, looking at one-on-ones, I try and have one-on-ones with every single person of our team, um, whether it's a monthly one-on-one or a bi-weekly one, just to check in to see, you know, if you think about the time that we spend, we spend most of our time eight hours a day working. So it's important for me to figure out what are the obstacles in their life and uh, less about, you know, what their day-to-day routine is going or how they're hitting their KPIs, but thinking more about, you know, what are the blockers that are stopping them from being the most productive human being they can be in those eight hours? What's stopping them in the off time that they have? Is it from work that we're influencing that? And how can we change that? Because if we can make the lives of our employees better, then of course they're going to work a lot better. It's not about, you know, staying over and like kind of hunched over and following every single thing they do or keeping them from a nine to five clock in an office. We've always been a remote company since 2000, since we started in 2019, because it gives equal opportunity. We wouldn't have found our scientist who was living in Saskatoon at the time if it wasn't for us being a remote company. Uh, and, you know, creating that opportunity for people to give you that feedback and say, you know, these types of things allowed me to uh, you know, come join your company or to have this opportunity to um, change my work-life balance so I can, you know, put my kid to bed and, you know, uh, you know, be there for the moments that matter in my life, then, you know, we wouldn't have learned those things if it wasn't for Facebook. And being able to apply those things at Cabo makes it a truly vibrant culture for people to come and enjoy and know that this is a comfortable place for them to learn and grow. Right. It sounds like, you know, being mission driven is really something that's really important to you and, and in Cabo generally. Yeah. So um, kind of a broader question before you close off, if you had a billion dollars and you could do anything with that billion dollars, what would the, what would the billion dollars go towards? Uh, honestly, I think I would just probably give it all away. <laughs> Um, I, I, I honestly think one of the biggest things, like even at Cabo that we see today, like if, if I had a billion dollars, I'd probably just go out and create as many companies as possible in Canada that gives jobs here in Canada. Like I, I think one of the things I've, I'm always baffled about and, and has really driven my mission at Cabo and what we've seen from our impact is that, you know, we, we sit in such an amazing country. Like it is phenomenal, the opportunities we have here. Like my parents to me like it is ridiculous you don't have this anywhere else in the world and there's no chance that you'll ever be able to find it if i had that billion dollars it would literally go right back into fostering this country's ability to provide more opportunities for its people like it's very rare whether you know you're a liberal or a conservative it doesn't matter canadians are canadians and we're constantly supporting each other whether it's through these hard times of covid or if it's you know before that and it's after that we constantly come together and find opportunities to support each other. So I think, you know, my mission, I think really even after beyond these 10 years of really working on Cabo and, and continue to build its impact in the pet food industry uh, and amongst pet parents, it's really around, you know, helping to bring this country and, and continue developing this country. Like we have a mission, whether we're immigrants, whether we're born here, whether we've lived here for our families have lived here for uh, decades, that doesn't matter. I think what's really great is the ability that we have to kind of create that impact. And if I truly had that money, it would right go, it would go right back into it, whether it's funding businesses here, whether it's, um, you know, building businesses here, uh, whether it's creating youth employment opportunities or educational programs, like those are all the things that gave me, you know, a kid who was like a refugee coming in here, the opportunity to like really grow like this fast. And I don't think there's any other countries that would really, you know, come to comparison uh, w- when you look at the type of support we've had uh, and then on top of it, you know, 
I think it's just our, our duty and our right. And, you know, I look back and if I were to say, you know, the end of my life will truly make me happy. I think these are the things that would make me happy is saying that, you know, we've really done a great job as, as individuals, as a community of immigrants, as a community of people to say that we're helping this country move into a right direction. Uh, so if I was ever given a large amount of money, uh, one, I would say, don't give it to me. <laughs> Otherwise it, it would just go to others and, 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 and helping to build what we need to see going forward. Yeah, thank you so much for that, to, for leaving us off on such an uplifting note, building the Canadian ecosystem. Awesome. And it sounds like that's something that you really care about even with, even through Cabo, even with what you're doing right now. Yeah, definitely. I, I hope to continue it. I think, you know, we've been able to be a part of like so many great programs here in Canada, whether it was like the Google for Startups Accelerator, all the way to like the Western Accelerator from, um, you know, one of my co-founders, Alma Mater. Um, you know, I was a dropout, of course, so I can't call it my alma mater, but, uh, you know, I, I look at it, I'm always just thinking, you know, if we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the community that supported us. So I'm always constantly thinking that, you know, regardless of the outcome of this business, I think one of the most important things is that, you know, we create that impact. And I think my life's journey will always be to continue to create that impact for this country so that other people like myself, you know, a younger version of Vino, uh, you know, doesn't have to go through some of the hoops and hurdles that I had to go through and has an, a little bit of an easier time. And, uh, you know, different individuals that have more and more challenges are, you know, we're out there removing those obstacles for them. That's amazing. Thank you so, so much for, for being with us today and sharing your journey, sharing all those positive ideas with us. Thank you so much. Of course. It was a pleasure. I had a lot of fun talking to everyone here. And, you know, if you ever want to reach out, uh, you know, I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Um, you can always email me as well or just check us out at cabo.co. And I'm always uh, here to help the community as much as possible. Yeah, cabo.co. All right. Thank you so, so much. Now, um, before we wrap up, I just wanted to thank our audience for, for tuning in today. Uh, thank you so much for being with us on this evening, after work, after your busy days. Thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of this conversation. Um, and as a special perk for the incredible audience members who stuck around until the end, um, I'm happy to share that prize I mentioned earlier on. So um, for all the people who stuck around, you get exclusive access to an awesome tool for students who want to become future innovators. We spoke a lot about entrepreneurship and supporting Canadian entrepreneurs, and that's what we're really about. Um, so if you're interested, if you are a young student or you know a young student who's interested in learning more about uh, what it's like to, to, about growing as an entrepreneur, please head over to um, this link on the screen, mystartupdojo.com slash tools to find an awesome free tool. And once again, I'd like to thank all of the amazing people who made this event possible. From Shiv at Tamil Culture, to Vino uh, for tuning in on this on this evening and making time. Um, thank you so much for, for being a part of it and making it happen. Um, so thank you so much and have a great evening, everybody. So we thank you so much, Vino. All right, bye -bye. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Take care.